As um, Philip's already said, we're continuing in a series of studies that we started a few weeks ago um, on the theme of church, and we chose a title called Life Together. Um, When I introduced the series a few weeks ago, I said that we'd begin in the only place that we should ever begin uh, when we're we're thinking about our life with God, and that's in God's Word, uh, the Bible. So we've spent about three weeks where we've been building uh, a biblical vision from biblical first principles uh, regarding what the church is, what it's for, uh, particularly what God's purpose for us in the church is. You'll remember that we spent week one uh, looking together at the grand narrative of God's people in the Bible, and we we came up with what, what seemed to be the purpose of God's word as we discerned it there in the Bible. Let's see. Did I move that, Graham, or did you? You did? Okay. I did? Okay. Here's the purpose that we discerned, looking at a, quite a range of Bible passages right through the Old and the New Testament. We saw that the church is to bless the world by following Jesus Christ wholeheartedly and allowing his beauty to attract people to him. We we learned that God's people are to be uh, magnets. They're to draw people to God like moths to a flame. And in week two, we we did something very different. We looked at one short book, just three chapters, the book of Titus. And we noticed how this big biblical vision can be lived out in very ordinary, everyday ways. Uh, It's when God's people live good lives in his strength, Uh, that we attract people to Jesus. Last week, David gave us a a third sort of ingredient as we were building up this biblical picture, and that's uh, he drew our attention to the the shared nature of life in God's family, that it it is a life together. Um, Our lives, because they're caught up in Jesus Christ, and we're all caught up in Jesus Christ, are naturally caught up in each other's lives. We said about our communities that we need to create a culture where we can encourage one another to challenge and to comfort, to console and to exhort and rebuke one another with the gospel in the context of ordinary life. You can't follow Jesus Christ on your own, is what we were saying last week. It's a a corporate experience. Maybe the first thing to do before we move on is to try and bring those three weeks of content together to reflect what we learned in weeks two and three in the the purpose statement that we developed in week one. So I came up with something like the, the next slide. There we are. Thank you, Graham. The church's purpose is to follow Jesus Christ in the power of his spirit, sharing lives of such quality that they attract others to come and to look at Jesus for themselves. It's not a short, catchy slogan. It's not supposed to be. But I think it brings together a lot of strands of what the Bible teaches about our purpose as the people of God. Tell me this. Can you imagine this happening? Can you imagine this being our our real and everyday experience. Can you picture a scenario where an elderly gentleman arrives at a church, or this church, one Sunday morning, and he asks what time the service is at. 
As the welcome team engaged him in conversation, they discovered that uh, he's, he's got a neighbor who's been very good to him, bringing him meals, helping him with hospital appointments, mowing his lawn. And he knows that that neighbor comes to this church. So he thought he'd just come along to see what kind of a church produces people like that. Imagine the next week that it's a, a mother phoning into the church office to ask when BB's on. Because she's met uh, one of our young mums in our parents and toddlers. And this Christian woman has been helping her in wonderful ways. It's come at a good time because her husband's just lost his job. This young mother from the church has been passing on clothes and toys. She's just delivered round a bike uh, that her family were finished with. And best of all, she's invited this, this other family to join with her family on a, on a day out. Before long, we hear that there's a, a young professional who's joined uh, a discipleship group. He'd come along with a colleague to a, a barbecue uh, that this group had hosted a few weeks earlier. And he'd got to know some people and he'd realized that the Christians aren't as weird or as bad as he always thought they were. He found himself intrigued and wanted to learn more. Imagine if quite a crowd turned up at our next Christianity Explored course and we discovered they were all from the same street. The catalyst? Well, a group of our church members, conscious of the the talk around Ballyhackamore, that community here isn't all it used to be, decided to throw a street party. They welcomed all the households in that street to come and share a beautiful summer evening in the sunshine, just a a bit of crack and a bit of catch-up. It turned out that when they did that, the weather was rubbish, uh, as you'd expect, and they ended up instead in people's homes. And these people living in this street received hospitality. And they found themselves keen to find out what kind of a God creates this kind of a people and to see if his hospitality was also at work in his church. That's why they came to Christianity Explored. Imagine if we actually did it if we actually lived the life that God made us to live, if we followed Jesus in the power of his spirit, sharing lives of such quality that they attract others to come and find Jesus for themselves, wouldn't that be quite something? Wouldn't you want to be a part of something like that? I'm going to assume for a moment that at least one of you, to make this, the rest of this presentation worthwhile, at least one of you is excited about that vision. If more than one of you is excited, good, that's all the better. Let's just say we wanted to become more like the community that we've been describing so far. What would it take to move from where we are now to where we need to go? There's one significant shift that I have in my mind that I want to share with you and two significant changes that we would need to make to allow that shift to succeed. The big shift is that we'd need to decentralize our church somewhat. 
Let me give you a couple of bar charts to explain what I mean. Bar charts, we don't do enough. Uh, actually, I'm going to use a pie chart. Uh, I changed format just at the last. Graham, flick up the first of our, our pie charts. This pie chart represents the relative importance in our church life of life at the center and life in the network, as I'm going to call it. By the center, I mean all the stuff that you'd associate uh, with the standard traditional denominational church. So it's stuff like buildings, ministers like me and staff, Sunday services and organizations, all the stuff that you leave your neighborhood to come and find here. That's what we're calling the center. The rest of the pie shows the relative importance of our network of small communities. So in Kirkpatrick Memorial, we have, as you probably know, a network of what we call discipleship groups because they have an unambiguous aim to be a place where people build each other up as followers of Jesus. So notice a couple of things about the pie. First of all, there are two pieces of pie. That's a good thing. In a lot of churches, there would really only be one piece of a pie if we were dividing it along the lines I've just described. The whole of life would revolve about the buildings, Sundays, the staff, and the organizations that happen in the church buildings. A little over nine years ago, the elders in this church realized that God calls us to a relational life, and therefore they chose to facilitate a network of small groups to help people grow in Christian discipleship. David reminded us last week of just how fundamental this is uh, in, in the biblical calling for us to live. So it's interesting to notice that there is that um, smaller red piece of pie representing our network. But the obvious second thing to say is that it is relatively small compared to the, the remainder of the pie. Notice how much of our church's life remains at the center by the way, deciding exactly what size to put these pies on the pieces of pie is, is an art rather than a science. I hope you understand that. I can't quantify what size the red piece of pie should be, but this is my sense of it as somebody who's uh, very close to the heart of this community. The truth is that even though we're growing in our appreciation of relationship and community, we're still heavily skewed towards life at the center. Whenever we think of church, we're still inclined to think of buildings and staff, someday and programs, and we're less likely to think of that small community that I'm a part of and to say, that, that's church. Before I, I show you a second uh, pie, let me quickly say that what I'm describing here this morning captures something of the vision that God's been growing in our elders uh, during this last year. We had an elders conference about a year ago, or in May of last year, and we talked about where we saw the future of our church. And it was an inspiring conversation for me, I must say. We discovered that we didn't find ourselves dreaming of a bigger center of bigger buildings with bigger staff teams running bigger programs. Our vision instead was of a network, a growing network of ordinary people 
ordinary believers sharing life together and living before their families and their neighbors and their colleagues and their friends in a way that speaks to them of Jesus. So here's the second uh, pie, Graham. I'll need you to do that for me. Here's what we'd love Kirkpatrick Memorial to become. Notice two things. There are still two pieces of pie. There's still a center church where the big crowd gathers for worship and teaching and other activities that'll work best here. But there's a growing network where people will have more opportunity to be together, to share life together, and to share Jesus with our community. Notice the more even uh, split of the pie in this case. We're raising the importance and the influence of the network of small groups, and at the same time, we're reducing a little of the energy that's required to run the center. So church is no longer just about the the stuff at the center with small groups as a wee add-on. It's now a, a more balanced community made up of the large group and the small in more equal measures. As you know, our elders have been working on this for for about a year now. We've been meeting once a month on Sunday evenings to discern and to pray together about how God is leading us as a congregation. After careful deliberation, we agreed on a model for how we'd like our church life to be structured from September 2013 onwards. Um, Some of you have heard a lot about this before. If you saw the rather amateurish video that we sent out to the discipleship groups uh, some people are smiling. It was, it was a YouTube crime that we committed with that video, but it got a message across. Um, it, it helped share some of this vision. Um, but I wanted to share it today with the whole community, those people who haven't had a chance yet to see it. Graham, if you pop up the next slide, there's a diagram that we think captures a little of where we want to go uh, as a church and how we want to structure our family life. We imagined a model where people are meeting together with an elder in small discipling groups. Each group would look out for each other, and that's, that's what we're doing at the moment. But if you notice, there's a second ring where the discipleship group at the center will also play its part in looking after the rest of the congregation. That's new. And a discipleship group will look out for some part of our parish beyond. That's new. We've had individual people looking after parts of our parish with a newsletter and so on, but we're now trying to put a group of people at the heart of small parts of our parish. Let's talk quickly about those three circles. What's going on in those circles? Well, in the inner circle, the center circle there, we'd love the members of our our discipleship groups to continue to find them a place of of growth and of care for one another. It's about building on what's already going on in our discipleship groups. What we're anticipating happening in September is that our groups will continue to meet fortnightly for Bible study, prayer, and all of that. We're hoping that they'll also meet on a Sunday, maybe for lunch or dinner, uh, to begin to broaden the ways in which they share life together. And we're hoping even that they might meet one other time in the month 
for an activity totally of their choice, whether it's a a night out at the movies, whether it's a a family day to a forest park somewhere where the the kids and the young people come along. The groups are going to continue to do what they're doing now, but they're, they're going to do, we hope, a little bit more. We're planning to give some purpose to our groups that they haven't previously had. I think the, the, the key growth that we'd like to see is to see the groups caring more for one another. Now, they're already doing that, but what we're, what we're hoping is that we'll no longer think of the elder as the person who cares for all the others. Instead, we'll do what the Bible calls us to do, and that is to love one another and to care for one another with the elder having a, an overseeing kind of a role. We long to see the groups serving one another more. And what we envisage there is that rather than, again, looking to the elder to host the group and to lead the studies and to organize whatever's happening, we we split up the roles in our group life. And one person becomes the host, another person the the secretary who sends the emails, another person uh, the Bible study person, another person coordinating prayer in the group, another person keeping us looking out for each other in in pastoral care, someone else organizing the social events, everyone in the group contributing and playing their part. We long to see these groups sharing life. What about that middle circle um, where I simply have the word congregation? All, All we're saying there is that we'd love to see our groups playing their part in the life of the congregation a little bit more. Continuing to pray for what's going on in church, but also extending some pastoral care to people who aren't members of their group. So, for example, if a group is meeting in a particular part of our parish and there's a, an elderly lady there who needs some sort of help, wouldn't it be the most natural thing in the world that that group would be the people who would reach out to her and care for her? And by the way, the view is that anybody in that middle circle is welcome to join the group. This isn't about keeping anybody in any place. Everybody's welcome to come and participate in community as much as they wish. We'd love to see our groups serving uh, together on projects. Um, You know, it used to be years back that people came here to to tidy the church a couple of times a year. I'm imagining a scenario where every six months a couple of groups come, work together for a Saturday morning, tidy the place up. Uh, The groups get to serve together, get to meet each other, uh, and other, other events and activities of that nature. Let me move on quickly to the outer of the the three circles. If we're really to be the salt and the light that God calls us to be, then we've got to learn to connect beyond ourselves. If we wait for people to show up here to encounter Jesus, a lot of people nearby aren't ever going to encounter him, certainly not through us. So we've got to learn to pray for small parts of our parish, we're, going, we're envisaging a model where each group looks after a few streets in our parish and makes it their patch where they aim to reach people for Jesus. We'll start in very obvious 
and simple ways. Maybe just delivering a parish newsletter, getting to knock doors and to meet people. But over time, we're praying that we'll start to make those connections I described earlier, where we're able to help that, that struggling young mum or that older bachelor, where we're able to throw a street party together and we're already placed to do it all because we share life together and we're in that part of our parish. Long term, I think this will set us up to do, to do things even beyond our parish. If we learn to be missional small groups together, who knows, maybe God calls us one day to help replant a failing church nearby. Maybe God lays it on our hearts, some of us, to go and do something in the city center where there's no, uh, no witness, certainly not of a church, anything like ours. Folks, that, that's some of the, the vision uh, some of the direction that we are, are wanting to go. And people in discipleship groups have already had a chance to think about that. How would we ever get there? How would we ever go from where we are now to, to this place I've just described? Well, this one significant change requires a couple of, of shifts. The first one is in relation to our use of time. If we're going to do what I've just described here... We'll need to free up some time from the, the center of our church's life to allow people to have time in smaller groups. So far, as I've said, our elders have freed up one Sunday evening per month for them to meet, and they've really appreciated that. I can't um, overemphasize how much of a blessing that's been to our elders. They, they're planning to continue with that into the future. Because these are, these are the most heavily burdened leaders in our church community. And for the first time, they're finding a chance to be, to be encouraged and to be blessed and to be built up. We want to continue that. Next year, we'd like to also free up another Sunday evening per month. Uh, and that's for discipleship groups just to be together. So if, if it was this particular Sunday, when I pronounce the benediction, that's it. Church is done for the day. And you go and you have lunch together. You go and have it in somebody's home or in one of the, the nearby uh, restaurants. Or you decide to, to meet up together for tea. Or you decide to go out for the afternoon together. The afternoon is yours to be together in whatever way you want as a community of God's people. So that means from September 2013, there'll be two Sunday evenings per month where there are no church services. I said we'd have to make two significant shifts. Uh, the second one, the first one was to do with time, and the second one is to do with place. We want to move to a model where the membership of our discipleship groups is based on geography based on where you live. We appreciate that this step might take some getting our heads around. It might even be uncomfortable in the short term for some of us. But we're convinced that the long-term gains here are just worth it. We want to enable people in our discipleship groups to share life together with the people who live nearest them and to reach out 
to people who are in their neighborhood. So if two households live, for example, in Eastleigh Crescent, currently there's no reason why they'd be in the... Sorry, Eastleigh Crescent's the, the street to the side of the church here. Currently, the way we're structured, they could be in totally different discipleship groups. And there's a real opportunity missed there to share life and to, to be on a mission together. What we're suggesting is that two people who live in the same street would be in the same group together, that they'd be sharing life and reaching out in Jesus' name. Our elders have thought long and hard uh, about the changes we've had to make regarding our use of time. And we want you now to think about the changes that we need to make in terms of the use of place. This is one area of, of all of this that we want you to think about. Because everybody here is going to have a choice to make. The precise choice depends on whether or not you're a a current member of a discipleship group or not. If you're not in a discipleship group, then we'd ask you to consider joining one. We've talked about how we'd love to see people in groups that are more geographically based, closer to where they live. Um, but there's a, really a choice for anybody in the congregation today to be thinking about as you leave today. If you're not yet in a discipleship group, you've heard me talk um, this morning and you've, you've heard this whole series about how God wants to use us to show his love to the world by the lives that we share together. And the best way we have managed to express that in this church's life so far is through these groups. And if you're somebody who's never joined one, um, could I encourage you to, to think about that? I've put a couple of sign-up sheets out there in the vestibule. Have a think. Um, work out why you're not yet part of one. Work out if it, the reason's as good as you first thought it was and see if it's time to join one. Um, they're, not, they're not for people of a certain age. I, I did think about what I think the age range might be, the appropriate age range. I think it's around about 16 to about 96. I think somewhere in there, you'll fit. Um, it's pretty... Uh, that, sorry, that sounds very exclusive when I put it like that, um, to those who are 15. And a, but, but it's for everyone. If you decide to join, what will happen is we'll assign you to the group that's going to meet nearest where you live. And you'll get to know some of your Kirkpatrick neighbors a little bit better. If you choose not to join you'll still have an elder and that elder will still look out for you but that elder will have a group of people helping them to do that. So nothing I've described here will diminish anybody's experience uh, of being a member here at Kirkpatrick. For those people who are in a group, you have a, a different choice to make. We're asking you to allow yourself to be reallocated to come closer to home, to share life with the people who live near you and to to reach out together to those people uh, who who live around you. Although, now you've got to hear me say this, and we'll give you a chance to reflect on it a little bit more. Although we prefer this, and, and I'm happy to say it, we don't want anybody to feel that they have to, to move and leave the elder that they've got to know and become familiar with. If you prefer to stay where you are, Uh, with the elder that you're with, 
then please be in touch with me by the 23rd of June. Um, that'll give us time to, to do a bit of work on, on all of this over the summer and to build up the new groups. So if you prefer to stay with the elder that you're currently with, uh, please be in touch with me directly. Do that any way you want. Phone me, email me, come and speak to me, and we'll make arrangements for that. One thing I should say about that is bear in mind that you'll not be staying necessarily with the same group of people. Uh, you'll, you, we'll only be able to guarantee that you stay with the same elder uh, because that some of those people from your group are likely to have moved on. Everyone we're going to inform about who your new elder is and which district you're in in, in September, uh, not long after we get back from the summer break. I'm nearly done, but I want to say two more things very quickly. Let me be clear about something. I don't imagine for one moment that restructuring the church like this will bring any new life, even the smallest amount. It can't, because structures don't give life. Our existing structure doesn't in itself give life. This new thing that I've talked about here today won't give life. There's no model out there in the world that will give life. It's only when the Holy Spirit of God comes and breathes through us that, that life will flow. All we're suggesting with this is that we hope that this model will better help us to fulfill God's purpose for us. That's all. We think it's a better fit for the life that God calls us to. To follow Jesus Christ in the power of his spirit and to live lives of such quality that they attract others to come and to find Jesus for themselves. I want to close with a story. One that's become very dear to me because it's becoming my story. Not so very long ago, um, just over 10 years ago, I got to know about a small group of people not very far from here. Actually, right here in Kirkpatrick Memorial. And they were taking a huge risk for God. You see, life in their community at that time wasn't very good. It hadn't been good for quite a while. And most people around them had given up hope that life in this community would ever be good again. They were taking the huge risk of staying and waiting to see if God would hear their prayers and come and work among them. As we got to know some of these people, Claire and I felt drawn to, to join in with them to bring our six-week-old son to a church that had two children in, in the actual church family who were actively involved, wondering whether our son would ever have friends in this church. We took the risk of joining in with the people who took the risk of staying and believing that God would work in this place. And before long, other people started to join in. People who could have been in all sorts of bigger, more fashionable, more resourced, more attractive churches than this one. They took the risk 
of joining this little family. They joined with us, trusting God. Brothers and sisters, if you hear anything today in what I've said that makes you nervous or worried or feels like a risk, remember how we got to be where we are today. It's because people took risks under God and they said no to the comfortable thing, the easy thing, the typical thing, and they said yes to what they sensed to be the calling of God on them. Some took the risk of staying, others took the risk of joining. Together they trusted God that he might still be among them and work in them and through them. Tell me this. You don't want to stop risking and trusting now, do you? Let's pray. Father God, you know us. You know how we're wired. You know that we love comfort and familiarity. We love things to be the way they are and the way we know them. But you are the living God who can't be tied down or kept in a box. The God who is doing the new thing. Lord, we pray that you'd work in our hearts just now. Help us to continue to be open to you, to be discerning what new thing you're doing. And as soon as we see it, to jump at the chance to be your people walking in your ways. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.